today, all right? Come on, good. The kingdom. My goal today is to help you be blessed and to help you be a blessing. How many want to be blessed? How about the rest of y'all? Again, y'all just here to hang out? Come on, how many want to be blessed? Now let me ask the next question. How many want to be a blessing? I want to help you today. That's, that's my goal is by the end of this message, I want to help you be blessed and be a blessing. We've been talking about the culture of the kingdom. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. And because of that, we're supposed to be representatives of that culture. And over this series, we've talked about the laws, the languages. And the past several weeks, we've been talking about the currency of the kingdom. And the currency of the kingdom of heaven is giving. That's how heaven operates. The economy of heaven is all based on giving. And last week, we talked about the fact that this is represented by the law of sowing and reaping. You will always harvest what you plant. You don't plant tomatoes and get cucumbers. I would take both, but you don't plant one and get the other. Amen? And we understand that. And so we've talked about two things. We've talked about the law of sowing and reaping is all about what you sow, that sowing starts with a seed, and the way you sow is to give. When you give something, it becomes a seed to a greater harvest. If you take what's in your hand and you consume it, that's all the benefit that you get from what's in your hand. But if you take what's in your hand and you give it away, it becomes a seed to an even greater harvest. If you missed any of the messages over the past several weeks, please go online and listen to them because we talked about this in depth. We talked about what you sow. You have to, you have to say, take something and say, this is a seed to a greater harvest. Last week, we talked about the fact it's not just what you sow, it's how you sow it. God is not just interested in us knowing his will. He also wants us to know his ways, not just what to do, but how to do it. How many have ever been around a Christian that you didn't like being around? Raise your hand. You may be married to them. Now, don't nudge them now. I'm not talking about that. What were they doing? They're doing the what, but they're not doing it the how. So you can give, but if you're not given the right way, it ceases to be sowing and reaping. If you're like, well, here you go. That ain't sowing, baby. Somebody's stealing from you. And there's no blessing on something being stolen. There's a blessing on something being given. Paul said last week, we talked about it in 2 Corinthians 9. He said, don't give grudgingly, reluctantly, or impulsively. Instead, give willingly, cheerfully, freely, and generously. And then 2 Corinthians 9 and 8 says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I don't know about you, but I want to have everything that my family needs. That's a promise of God. But I don't want to just have what I need. I want to have plenty left over to share with others. Look at that neighbor that you introduced yourself to during communion and just say, hey, how you doing? Remember me. And say this, say the surplus is never for us. God blesses us so we can be a blessing. So we've talked about what you sow. We've talked about how you sow it. Now I want to talk about the final principle of sowing and reaping, and that is where you sow it. I'm going to start this this message off today by making this statement. The soil that you sow in will determine the quality of the fruit you produce. 
you can have the greatest seed. It can be just, they, they could have gone in and orchestrated and made sure that the strain was pure and everything was great. But if you take that seed and you sow it in nasty soil, it's not going to produce everything it could. Good roots produce good fruits. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 13 and 3. First of all, I'm going to ask you this question. Are you planting your best in the best place to be planted? I want us to evaluate today. Remember, my goal for this message is for you to be blessed and to be a blessing. So what are you sowing? How are you sowing it? And where are you sowing it? And we're not just talking about your money today. I want you to evaluate your relationships. I want you to evaluate your career I'm really believing today, and I've prayed this week, that this would be one of those messages that people make life change over the next several weeks because they reevaluated where they are. You can have a great seed. You can be sowing it with the right attitude. But if you're planting it in the soil that can't grow it, you're messing the whole thing up. Jesus uh, tells a parable in Matthew 13, and he says this. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon withered under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as they had been planted. First of all, I want to say, look at the return that we're getting here. You and I many times expect to just sow seed and all of it to come up. But Jesus said, you're going to get about one out of four. As a pastor, that helps me a lot. It does. Maybe it, you in your career and in your, if you're getting a 25% return, even Jesus said, that's pretty good, man. All right. But we just keep on sowing. We keep on sowing. However, when you take the seed that you want to see become your harvest, you need to make sure that you know where that's going. Because you can try to plant it, but if it's not the right soil, it's not going to work out. Hard, shallow, thorny soil. I see so many people that are trying to plant in the soil that is not healthy. There are people that are trying to plant a seed into a relationship that is thorny and nasty and messy, but they're doing everything they can to fertilize it and water it and till it up. Listen, if it's bad soil, it's not going to grow right. If his character is bad, uh uh-oh. Got quiet then. I don't care how rich he is or good looking he is. And Kristen, I'm not talking about me, baby, because I got good character, all right? Are you getting me? One of the most frustrating things, especially in this city, is to see people that are trying to break into an industry, which, by the way, is illegal to break into anything, okay? But people that are trying their best to to break into an industry, to get into an industry that they're not even supposed to be in. But they spend all their time trying to plant that soil. And there are people in this room right now that are legends in their industry. And they can tell you it takes a long time of plowing it up and digging it up. And you better be called to it. 
And maybe it's not just the music industry for you. Maybe it's another career that you're trying your best to make it work, but it's just not working. Evaluate the soil that you're planting in. For a harvest to be great, plant in fertile soil. The Bible says deep calls to deep. You ever heard that scripture? Deep calls to deep. That's why you can be around certain people and something will resonate with you. It's like, man. Well, a lot of times that's the deep soil that, that's in them that also is in you. Or, or, or maybe it's a music. You can feel it. You even see kids, when music starts playing, you see certain kids just begin to opt. That's the deep that's calling to deep. Be around people that call to what's in you. Be around them. That doesn't mean you, that's all you got to hang around, but you need to be around people that will feed that part of you. Matthew 7 and 6, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. You've heard it said, don't cast your pearl before swine. Let me ask you a question. I want everybody to look at me. Where are you using your talents? Who are you taking your gifts and placing them in front of? I can tell you that I traveled for many years, and I loved traveling. It was what I was called to do at that time. That, that was the season for me to do that, and, and it was, there was some fertile soil there. But I can tell you right now that this is what I'm called to, you and you and you. I can go other places and speak, and it's okay, but when I'm here, I know that I'm not throwing pearls at pigs. Because there's people here that have a depth and they want to be a part and they want to be connected. Be around people that get you. Surround yourself. And it's not going to be everybody. You're going to have to put up with some people that don't like you, don't understand you. I get that. But make sure you have people in your life that those are the people that you're sharing your pearls with. Be around people that celebrate you. Someone asked me the other day, they said, how did you get the vision? How did you and Kristen get the vision for the hills? I said, we wanted to attend a church that we loved. <laughs> That's what it was. Life is too short for me to be hanging out with people that I don't like. Amen? Come on. All right, I'll move on from that. When you get this concept, though, what happens is you start seeing, as the writer says, as the parable says, you start seeing a miracle harvest. Not just plant one and you get one, but you're planting one and you're getting 30, 60, 100 fold. Evaluate your relationships. Evaluate your careers. Evaluate your, evaluate your community. Make sure that you're planting into fertile soil. Now, I want to tell you how to get a guaranteed bountiful harvest. All right? How many like that? Ty, you're a financial advisor. Your business would blow up if you could just guarantee, right? Guarantee you. How many would right now, you would just invest in something I could tell you right now? I'm going to, I'm going to, this, is, this is it. No, you don't trust me. Okay. Well, here we go. Let me tell you the best place you can plant, the house of God. There is no better place to plant than the house of God. Your talents, your abilities, your passions, your finance, your blood, your sweat, your tears, the house of God. Let me prove it to you. I didn't just say that. 
The psalmist said it, Psalms 92, 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in their old age. They will be fresh and flourishing. Don't you like those two words? I want you to say fresh. Fresh. I want you to say flourishing. I want you to say fresh. I want you to say flourishing. How many want a life like that? Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Not some stale, nasty, dragging along. God wants us to have a fresh and flourishing life. Guaranteed. How do I do it? Planted in the house of God. If you can plant your first and plant your best in God's house, miracles happen. You talk about miracle grow, baby. Planting it in God's house. We are blessed when we plant in God's house. But if that won't get you to plant in God's house, what's the opposite of blessing? Uh Uh-oh. Now, that's the preaching some of you grew up with right there, right? And you're like, well, here we go. Well, let's talk about it. Malachi 3 and 8. Look at this. Should people cheat God? I love that's a great statement to start off with, right? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? He said, you've cheated me because of the tithes and offerings that are due to me. And you are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. So God says, if you plant in his house, you're blessed. If you don't, you are. Notice it says this, you are under a curse. It doesn't say God's going to curse you. Matter of fact, the New King James says, you are cursed with a curse. That's bad. Not just cursed with a curse. God is not cursing us. You and I, when we withhold our talents, when we withhold our tithes, when we withhold our first and our best from the house of God, we are voluntarily placing ourselves under a curse. But then it goes on and says, but no, I want to tell you real quick, though, what that curse looks like. Haggai 1 and 3, the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. Anybody ever felt that way? You eat, but not satisfied. I know we've all felt that way. You drink but are still thirsty. You put on clothes but can't keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you are putting them in pockets filled with holes. I cannot tell you the people over 30 years of ministry that I've heard talk about this. There's just never enough. I can't do it. And the question I will always ask, are you giving your first and your best to God's house? I just don't ever have enough energy. Are you giving your first and best energy to the things of God? Are you putting him at the end? I just don't ever have enough money. Are you giving? Are you tithing? Are you putting your first and Remember, I want to help you be blessed today, okay? I want you to make sure to understand this. We do not need your money, okay? I'm thankful for people that give, but God always takes care of his house and his people, all right? I am telling you this because I want you to be blessed, Because Chris and I can tell you, we've seen it in our own life. Some of the most successful people in this room right now have lived with this principle. It is a blessing. If you're cursed with a curse, you can also be blessed with a blessing. And tithing breaks that curse. 
Look at this, Malachi 3.10. He says, now look, you're cheating me. And so the whole nation's under a curse. So I'm going to help you break that curse. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Many of you pray for open doors. He said, you got to pray for open doors. Baby, I'm going to open the windows, all right? I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. I don't know about you, but I'll receive that right now. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I want you to be blessed today. We hear it all the time. People say, well, I don't make enough to tithe. Did you just read what we read? That kind of blessing... You can't afford not to tithe. I'll say it this way. You will never afford to tithe until you tithe. It doesn't make sense until you start doing it. Listen to what it says. There's three, several things that God says. First of all, he says, bring the tithe to God's house. So write that down. If you're taking notes, write that down while I get a sip of water. Bring the tithe to God's house, or it says this, the temple or the storehouse. Now look at me. When you're done writing, look at me. Unless you can write and look at me, then that's awesome. This is important. The tithe goes to the storehouse to the local assembly. That's where the tithe goes. It goes to the place where you go to be fed and you go to be cared for. That's where the tithe goes. We believe in giving to other organizations. We believe in ministering to to missions all over. But our tithe is supposed to be brought to the local assembly, the storehouse. So bring the tithe to God's house. Everybody say God's house. Secondly, he says, bring all the tithe, the full tithe, the full 10%. The word tithe in the Hebrew means the 10th part. The tithe, the, that 10%, the full 10%, not after expenses, not after we paid everything else. I love this. God knows how simple we are that he chose a percentage because it's the same for everybody. No matter how rich you are, no matter how poor you are, it's just a penny on every dime. It's just a dime on every dollar. It's just that simple. The full tithe. The tithe is also not just 10%. It is the first 10%. Proverbs 3, 9, honor God, honor the Lord with all your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Why is it important that we bring the first of it? Because God must be first. He cannot, will not accept second best. He always wants the firstborn. He always wants the first fruit. The tithe is the first 10%. It should be the first thing that comes out. This is why we automate. Kristen and I do, and we encourage our church to do that, to automate what's important, where it comes right out. And then if you get more money on top of that, that's easy. You can just tithe off of that as well. It's a really simple thing. The tithe is the 10%. It's the first 10%. Everybody still with me today? Good. And then lastly, the tithe is a test. The tithe is a test. God says, test me in this, but also the tithe is a test. And here's the test. 
Every time we get paid, the question is asked, who are you thanking and worshiping for your increase? Is God first? You may tell you the best way to know if God's first in your life. Look at your bank account. Look at the first thing you do in the morning. Look at what you do the first day of the week, which I believe is Sunday. What are, you, what are you putting first in your life? That tells you if God's first. It's not about, God, you got all my heart. That's awesome. But let's quantify this thing, okay? The way you figure out where is God in my life is looking at some of those tangible. The test is this. If God can't trust us to obey this, how can he trust us with blessings? That's the test. How many drove by that big sign today and say, $212 million? Is that what it is now, I think? I don't know, 212. And I, we've had people tell us, if I win that, I'm tithing. <laughs> yeah, right. If you won't tithe now, you won't tithe in. My daddy used to tell this story. These two old Mississippi country fellows, country farmers were walking down the road, and one of them looks at them and says, Earl, he said, if you had two tractors, would you give me one? Earl said, Bubba, you know I would give you one of my tractors if I had two tractors. Awesome. Hey, Earl, if you had two houses, would you give me one? Come on, Bubba, we're best friends. I would give you one of my houses. That's awesome. Earl, if you had two hogs. Now, Bubba, you know I got two hogs. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how we'll promise things? and Some of y'all aren't getting that, Okay. Earl would have given him a tractor because he didn't have a tractor. Would have given him a house because he didn't have a second house. But he had two hogs. So don't be asking me for a hog, Bubba. All right? I'll, if I get that 212, I'll do it. What about, what about that 100? What about that 1,000? What about that energy? What about that strength? What about that passion? What about that desire? What about that fire? Are you willing to plant that into God's house? What about your life? What about your children? Let me just say something to you. Plant right now for the harvest you want to receive. Do not wait. Now, please hear me today. I don't want to sound mean. But don't wait until you need a community to look for one. Don't wait until your marriage is in trouble to invest in it. Don't wait until your kids are getting ready to go off to college to start praying for them to find a good church. Don't wait till you need a pastor to ask for one. Don't wait. Do it now. Start right now planting. And there's no better place to plant than in God's house. So bring the tithe. Bring the full tithe. And then everybody bring a tithe. Did you know on average... Christians in America tithe 1.7%. That's what Christians in America give, 1.7%. What could we do if every believer in America tithed? There's a great book called The Hole in Our Gospel that has looked at this. And it simply says, if every believer in America would tithe, not the world, just America, there would be no world hunger. Just us, if we tithe. Say it with me. What if every believer in America tithe? Say this with me. What if every believer at the hills tithe? 
We wouldn't be taking loans for anything, I'll tell you that. We would roll into this new building, which, by the way, the architect has given us a proposal. Hallelujah. Come on. We're getting close. We would roll into this building debt-free, already ready to take care of creating an atmosphere for that surrounding community. It's just simple. If all of us would just do what God's asking us to do. If each of us would just plant our talents and our abilities in God's house. We wouldn't have to worry about how we're going to schedule taking care of nursery and babies and greeters. And when I see these guys on this stage that have played on the biggest stages in the world, and yet they're giving what they know to do right here. When I see people out there parking cars and taking care of babies, you know what that is? That's people saying, I'm going to take the gifting, the energy, and the time that I have, and I'm going to plant it in God's house. And then you watch flourishing happen. Can I hear a great big amen? Amen. Bring the seed to good soil and then plant it. Bring the seed to good soil and then plant it. Bring it and bury it and trust it. As I've said before, you never hear a farmer holding a funeral over a seed that he plants. I'll never see you again. Oh, the farmer understands that when you plant it, you're doing that for a reason because you're going to get a harvest from it. I want to help you today to be blessed and to be a blessing. How many receive this word this morning? Come on, do you receive it today? Amen. Let me pray for you. Close your eyes. I want to thank all of our first-time guests for being here today. And It's never easy for me as a pastor to preach on giving when a first-time guest shows up. But we always have first-time guests, so that's the way it is. But if you can grab this today, for those of you that this is your first time or for those of you that you've been here with us from the beginning, if you can get this today, I promise you blessings are going to flow in your life. And you won't just be blessed, but you're going to be able to bless others. What is your next step today? What's your next step? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? We do our best to, to create an atmosphere that is conducive for, to life change. And try to make sure the music's right and smells good and the coffee's good. And I spend a lot of time in message prep. But at the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit's job to do the work now. So what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? What was highlighted to you today? Maybe for you, you need to put some first things first. Maybe it's your relationships, your marriage, your children. It's so easy to focus on everything else and leave the ones that we love the most getting our crumbs. What if you start there? For some of you, you're reevaluating your career right now, you're reevaluating your pursuits. What are you after? What do you, what, why are you sowing into that? For some, it's a relationship that you've just been pouring into and pouring into and pouring into. Maybe it's time to reevaluate that. Maybe God's calling you today to make a commitment to kingdom giving, begin a lifestyle of giving and tithing.
And hopefully today there are people in this room that want to make a fresh start with Jesus Christ. You want to make a commitment to give him your first and your best, your heart, your energy, your life. If that's you today, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life and you want to make him first, or maybe you would call yourself a believer and maybe other people would call you a Christian. But as I'm speaking today, you realize I don't know that he's first in my life. I want to put him first in front of everything. We call them fresh starts here at the hills because that's exactly what happens. When you make the commitment, you get a fresh start with him. If that's you today, you want to make a fresh start with Jesus for the first time or for the first time in a while. I want you right where you are with no one looking around. Just raise your hand. I want to make a fresh start with Jesus Christ today. Come on, I see you. That's awesome. Come on, hands high. Thank you right here, right there. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right, everybody, open your eyes. Come on, lift your head up. Look at at me, look at me. Right beside you is someone that's about to make an eternal decision to make Jesus Christ Lord of their life. Come on, that's not a golf clap. Come on, baby. That's why we do what we do. Come on, raise your right hand. Every single person in the room, we're going to pray it together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your best, your life, your blood. You sacrificed it for me. You were obedient. And today, thank you for giving me the opportunity to do the same. I give you my first. I give you my best. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Come on loudly. Forgive me of my sins. Cover me with your blood. Fill me with your spirit. And help me to live an overcoming, abundant, and eternal life with you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Come on,